My name is Rachel White, and people call me the Skeptical Showman. They say it like it's a contradiction, but it's not. For more than a decade, I've been researching and building tools for the spiritually homeless. You know, the curious but critical thinking people that, like me, have had a tough time navigating a landscape of gurus and grifters and crystal hippie people. Searching for a way to fill what Neil Gaiman called that God-shaped hole. All while, of course, not getting taken. As the host of the Skeptical Shaman podcast, I want to help us all develop a map of this confusing terrain. I'm going to talk to everybody. The curious, the skeptical, the cynical, and yes, even the true believers. Together we can safely explore the world of Wu and get closer to some meaningful existential truths. This is The Skeptical Shaman. Hello and welcome to The Skeptical Shaman. I am your host, Rachel White of Totem Readings, and I have the unique and personal privilege of being here today with Colleen of Colleen Ayurveda, my one and only Ayurvedic friend, practitioner, my only window into the world of what is actually medicine on the continent of India and abroad. So, Colleen, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Of course. And why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Because you'll do better at it than I will. Sure. Thank you. Um, let's see. So I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner. And what that means is that I help people to... Well, I used to think that that meant I help people with their health goals. You know, maintain good health, maybe try to fix something, try to recover from some sort of diagnosis. But what I've learned is that it actually means helping people align with their true nature, you know, have a more balanced life. And um, and so I do that through health consultations, through body work, like actual physically touching people, energy healing, um, and even financial coaching. That's brilliant. And, you know, I'm looking at my little notes here that a little note fairy produced for me. And it says that Ayurveda, you know, which I think it's fair to say it originated in India for all intents and purposes, is 5,000 years old, much like Chinese medicine, right? And in that part of the world, this is their medicine. Like how yeah. we go to a Western doctor, to a hospital, to an, an internal practitioner's practice, GP, all of that. This is the medicine of India. Absolutely. So it's actually over 5,000 years old because it used to be, you know, just a verbal science. And then things, they the, the writings were found to be 5,000 years old. So we don't, it could be 10,000 years it old. It probably is ancient as the theme of the day continues. Things are right. getting, just keep getting older and older, Colleen, including us. Yep. Matter. <laughs> That's the thing about time and matter. And you're a Capricorn, right? So I've got a Capricorn sun sign, and then I'm Aquarius, like a double Aquarius on the other end. So yeah. I'm a little weird. I have an Aquarius moon too, and Aquarius moons definitely make you weird in the best conceivable way. And in the way my we're gonna get Kate on the podcast, by the way. Kate's one of my coaching clients and an astrologer, and you know, went to a very prestigious engineering school and She'll, she says, Aquarius moon makes you irreverent. And I mm -hmm. think that that was an accurate, like you and I are the weirdos at the party. Like 
how is nobody else seeing this thing or the offbeat interest or, you know, and in the other piece of Aquarius moon, according to Kate, is we tend to focus more of our efforts on humanity mm. and the collective. That's a very age of Aquarius kind of thing. Maybe reviving old systems in new ways, you know, healing people, alchemizing things, integrating them. And that seems to fit, especially for you. I mean, everything you do is is alchemy. So before we get into the whole, what are, what are the trends you're seeing and some of the suggestions you might have for people out there, even if they're not interested in Ayurveda, but becoming more healthy in general, mentally, physically, energetically, why don't you talk a little bit about what you do with your practice, like pra like human-scaled, tangible, what is Ayurveda? Because the main thing I always think of when I hear the word, because of your contribution to our retreat, is Abhyanga, which are the oil massages. Mm -hmm. And I know there's like a whole world, though. It's everything. So yeah. why don't we just run through that a little bit first? Okay, perfect. So yeah, it's a vast science, and there's many different branches but kind of at the heart of it, it's it's looking at all matter as elemental. And so if I am a person who has a lot of earth element and I eat a lot of foods that have a lot of earth element and I do a lot of behaviors that also encourage earth element, I'm going to probably gain more matter on my physical system or I'm going to feel way down on my emotional system. So it's really about like looking at every single thing in nature as elemental and then figuring out well what keeps it balanced. So if you're you know, if you're a very airy person or maybe you're not necessarily a very airy person but you have um you're struggling with anxiety in the last 10 years of your life or something, right? So that's if you think of anxiety being up in the head, it's up in yeah. the ethers, right? And so you probably need more grounded, um, just groundedness in your life. And that could be as simple as taking a salt bath every day. You're literally immersing yourself in, you know, in minerals, in what makes up the earth. So you're just balancing air and earth. And that's really simply what Ayurveda is. It's uh, oftentimes we work through the diet because that's almost like the easiest, most tangible way to do it. But I think even lifestyle is very big. You know, eating things at a certain time of day um, when the sun is out and it's, you know, at its highest in the sky and it's very hot and it's summer and you're eating tacos with salsa. <laughs> and te tequila with it, you know, muddled jalapeno yeah it's not the it's you're increasing your fire element and you can eat the tacos it's just don't do it at that time of day maybe even for you if you're suffering from what we would call the symptoms of high fire element then which are like anger issues being very emotional they could be being you know um, anything that's like red and inflamed, rashes, headaches, um, all sorts of things, then that's not the right meal for you at that time. You know, I, I want to point out that don't think I didn't notice that you're personally attacking me with this example. 
heavy in fire element, addicted to mezcal and spicy food and Szechuan peppercorns. Yeah. Sorry, Rachel. Live live in Central Texas, eat tacos outside at noon. But there are ways to balance it. So cilantro, right, is a beautiful ingredient that's cooling and you know know, and lime and obviously you know kind of like i feel like traditional mexican tacos are they they put a lot of cilantro on there you know so i think you know where these foods even come from they probably had some of these concepts already going right Mm -hmm. yeah just you know or maybe yeah just doing less less of the hot pepper right if you have a lot of yeah well and I know this because you and I have worked together a little bit and you walked me through how things that might initially feel good you just you like them but excuse me because you're still addicted and so what you think might balance you out is actually just contributing to all that fire or that earth can you talk about that a little bit the the kind of almost energetic physical mental detox reset process that you work with your clients on Mm, yeah uh so first of all there's this concept in ayurveda that i can't remember the sanskrit term for because i don't speak in sanskrit most of the time um but my ayurvedic teachers would be frowning right now um be very upset but so there it's it's basically that if i'm already in an imbalanced state let's just say for the sake of the example of my fire is high if I'm in an imbalanced state, I'm going to actually crave the things that keep me in that state. And so they keep me in that cycle because the fire is like loving it. It's like feeding itself, right? It's like, oh, yeah, give me more of that. Give me more of that. And same thing if I have like heavy earth, so I'm feeling lethargic, unmotivated. I'm eating a lot of heavy foods. I'm sleeping a lot. Sleep sounds really good. Laying on the couch feels really good. It's keeping that dosha, we call it a dosha, that element is gets to stay where it is in that loop. So interrupting it takes something. But after you, you know, do the so the the sort of like sacrifice of maybe being uncomfortable or not giving yourself exactly what you want, you know, which we get really used to doing, then you will start, you'll start to move into balance, which can take, you know, it can take a couple days, it can take a couple weeks. And then depending on the person and all, you know, all things involved, but then you will actually start to crave the thing that will keep you balanced. And that's when it gets easier. It's kind of like a snowball effect where it starts to become easier. And when you're on that healing journey of, of coming into a balanced state, it's easier to be like, no, I actually... Like, actually, I had a dinner last night and with some girlfriends that they wanted to go to Italian and they picked an Italian spot. And part of me wanted to just go with the flow and be like, sure, because I don't want to think about where to go. I don't know the places in that area. And I was like, you know, that's not going to be the best for me at eight o'clock at night. Like Italian food. And so heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. It's going to be cheese, bread, pasta lots of oil, you know, and and we picked another spot and it was great because we had sushi 
and it was, you know, we had some more vegetables, more veg- veggie-based sushi, and it was light. And that's like, for me, that's a big win because my like wanting to be flowy and convenient and people pleaser was, I overrided that with like, no, actually for my constitution, that's not the best food for me right there. It's awesome that you got out of that people pleaser thing, or as I've been calling it in the uh, trauma Fs, the four Fs, fawning. Mm -hmm. like the ingratiating to minimize other trauma or potential problems. Yes. And to that end, you know, doing the work you do, which I do want to get into the whole idea of doing this fucking shit in our society where there's no balance and everyone's an addict. So I want to get to that because that'll be fascinating. But first, can you tell me a little bit about your, your discovery of Ayurveda and your journey with it? And maybe how it's evolved a bit, because it's so funny, even with shamanism in the last 15 years for me, it doesn't look the same even day to day to week to week. Like it, mm-hmm. it's moving, society's changing, I'm changing, there's lessons learned. And mm-hmm. sometimes what you think it is, it, it really becomes something different, not always bad, sometimes yeah. even better. But if you could share a little bit about that as well. Yeah. I mean... I had my own health issues. I had a lot of skin stuff going on. I had a lot of acne growing up. And um, it kind of went away. And then in my 20s, it just came back. And I was just so, I was like seeking. I was just, you know, really searching and seeking for answers. And, you know, like started seeing a chiropractor. That was kind of my first introduction to sort of like alternative healing got into acupuncture, and then, you know, eventually looked at my diet, um, started working with someone who did, like, metabolic, you know, eating for your um, blood type. Yeah. And, and that changed changed everything for me. Getting off birth control, being around people who were uh, educating me about the effects of birth control, I had no idea what was going on hormonally for me, you know, so just really getting around like people studying yoga that was living in, you know, downtown Chicago. So I was just around a lot of artistic, like outside of the box type of thinkers. And that got me realizing that all the stuff that I learned, like I thought I was healthy, you know, I was an athlete growing up. I'd like you know, oh, yeah, you eat, you choose salad and you run 10 miles a day and you're a healthy person. And it's, it's well, the majority of Americans still think that, by the way, and it's wild. And then, you know, like for me, I had to really change. Like I was a vegetarian, all, you know, just eating a lot of bread and fake meats and stuff, you know, because I think what it boils down to it, at the heart of it all is no matter where you're at, there's a tendency towards convenience. So there's a big pull in our day-to-day society for, oh, I'm, I really want to take this on or I want to say yes to this. I want to pursue this. And then I need food to be convenient. And um, unless you have really great support systems and people to remind you, then you can, you can be thinking you're doing really healthy things, but really you're eating like, you know, pseudo foods. Well, and the other thing people don't realize, and not to go off on a tangent, but you, you really have to be careful about what vegetables and greens 
you're consuming and what kind of seed oils, if any, because oh, yeah. Monsanto and glyphosate and endocrine disruptors, I mean, what we think of as healthy food can, if it's not organic, truly, and all these other details be be poison, straight up poison. Straight up poison. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's funny you said you had to go through this journey to fix yourself. The, every single person I've talked to who finds a healing modality and becomes a practitioner, every one of us was banged up. And I, I always like to remind people the word shaman means wounded healer. Like in figuring yourself out, you can way show for other people. I've yet to find someone whose life was perfect, whose health was perfect, who sort of just did a ballet dance into being a practitioner. I don't. I think there's a misconception that, and you know, we've always had it together. Or for that matter, we still have it together. We're all still a wreck. You know, as I mentioned you before we started, I'm currently detoxing from kratom. And I wrote about it and I've never had a withdrawal symptom from it before. But this time it it's straight up opiate withdrawal mimicked symptoms. And, you know, I'm a showman. No one made me drink Kratom, by the way. And my husband, like when he's I was miserable, like I, for five nights, I really didn't sleep and I'm just sweating. And it's stinky sweat. It's like sick people sweat. And you have to shower three to four times a day. He goes, oh, honey, I'm just so sorry. I'm like, I did this to myself. I, like, I just started laughing, you know? So there, there's no perfect, I guess. There's no like fixed mm-hmm. position that you ever get to. And it's, a, it's quite a journey. Now, in terms of this tendency towards convenience and, you know, what I would call a highly novel world with the rate of change and the demands on our time, it's, you know, we are utterly valued based on our productivity and our consumerism. Like how much is your output and how much is your consumption Mm -hmm. is the human metric for value right now. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do what you do with clients in person or remotely in this world where everything tends towards convenience? And, you know, my little interjection I would add is doing what I do. I think there's a lot of people who kind of want to be spiritual, but not if it's hard. They kind of want you know, a better relationship and not if they have to do shadow work. And so how do you manage that spiritual bypassing or wellness bypassing? Well, what I mean, I'm still kind of figuring that out. Um, but I I've learned and starting to incorporate that. I can, you know, like figure out this amazing protocol. Okay, this is what this person needs to do. They need to stop doing this. They need to start doing these. They need to eat this. They need to not eat this. I can do all that work. And it doesn't mean anything because if it's not like how to incorporate this, like how can they actually apply this tomorrow? Some people, there are, you know, the overachievers who will just do it. But most people, they they won't be able to maintain it. And it will also feel very overwhelming, like just changing what someone's eating for breakfast every day is not an easy thing to do when you've been kind of, you know, you like rely on the emotion that you get from that comfort food that you start your day with. So what I've realized is like it's really about supporting a person where they're at and consistently supporting them. So even if they can only meet with me for a half an hour a week and we just kind of work through how things are going. It gives them a chance to be held in a space where 
it's okay that they are where they are, but we also are very clear that there's a place they want to get to. And that type of accountability is very fresh and new for people. They're not used to being accepted how they are, loved and supported how they are, but held accountable. But hey, this is where you said you wanted to go. So this week, let's try one new thing, you know? And I love that. It's like, it's the slowest baby steps ever. But that was what I'm seeing is what's most effective because if it starts to occur as another thing to put on their to-do list, they will not hang around very long. Yeah, everyone's saturated. It's insane. Yeah. It's suffocating what society is demanding of everyone right now. So to try to get healthy is is a pretty rebellious act. And you have to invest. It's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And-, well, and it just it really with in terms of Ayurveda, it's time consuming because Ayurveda, it's like people will, you know, what you were talking about with like seed oils and even you know, uh, nut like nut butters. Everyone thinks they're healthy doing all these nut butters. And I'm like, look at the label. What's in the label? You know, roasted, dry roasted, blah, blah, blahs. What temperature are they roasting those at? You don't know. Are they degrading them molecularly? Is it rancid now? Is it yeah. rancid? So make your own. Make your own nut butter. It's like a third of the price, right? And it's going to be actually healthy for you. But like people are like, oh, I have to like get the Vitamix out and, you know, get the food processor out. That's like a lot to clean up. Like, I don't want to do all that, you know. (laughs) It's it's really I, you know, I'll say this. I make almost all of my own food, except for when my husband is a chef is around. Right. And and or we, we go for sushi if we go out to dinner a lot. That's sort of the where we hang. And I'll sometimes if I'm busy or I'm tired of this week, you know, I felt like shit because I got addicted to Kratom and now I'm off of it. And I went to make like a, a smoothie, right, with some honey ciggies, you know, that Greek yogurt, mm-hmm. some frozen organic berries. And I'm standing there looking at it, I'm like, oh, God, I got to rinse this whole thing out. You know, you do have those thoughts. And it's like, we have dishwashers. We don't right. have to go down to the river to clean our underwear anymore. Right. Like at a certain point. That very Capricorn, Thomas Sowell type accountability. You know, I, I remember feeling a bit of a wash of shame, even though I didn't feel well. It was like, you're a grown person. You can rinse, rinse the mixer out and put it in the dishwasher without yeah. dying. Like, I think you're going to, you can land the plane here a little bit. So just that little change in thinking and also what you get from it. Um, and I know that's hard for people who don't see results right away. And that's right. the other thing I want to talk to you about is keeping with something before the effects start showing. But once they do, making that smoothie is not a problem for you at all. Because you're like, no, I've had really good results with this. Remember how bad you felt before? You feel better now. And you sort of have that before after in your head. What do you do about the very American uh, demand for immediate results from some of this? Or maybe the other way to word that is, the disappointment and deflation that comes when results aren't achieved immediately? Well, first of all, I prioritize. So I look at their whole thing and I'm like, okay, what out of all of the, what out of all of these issues that they have, which somebody might say, oh, I don't have a lot of issues. I just have 
this thing, right? But for me, I look at it through an Ayurvedic lens. So I'm like, okay, we got to fix digestion. We also have to fix assimilation. We also have to fix, you know, circulation. Like I'm looking at all of that. So it's like, okay, well, what, which out of all these things, they're all important, but which thing is going to give me the biggest bang for the buck? Like, what are they going to feel a difference from the quickest? And so I try to go that route. So that way they will get as close to immediate results as possible while we're still working on the other things, you know, so you like to set them up for a quick win that creates a positive association and gets them motivated. That's brilliant. Right. I mean, like, you know, blood sugar, that's the, the probably usually my go to because I'm like, oh, God, I got to work on everything about this person. But you know what? If they actually if we can just like get their blood sugar to be, you know, stable, they're going to feel like a different person. And so I start there. That's awesome. And then what do you I know all of your clients, the whole point of Ayurveda is everybody's very different, like a very unique physical, yeah. energetic, behavioral fingerprint. But across the board, are there any themes around consistent trouble areas? Like, are you surprised at how many people, for instance, eat fast food for breakfast? Or are there any themes uh, of just like right from the bat, things that need to go? Yeah. I think number one, like the conversation of stimulants is like stimulants are not bad for some people they may be help helpful for some people they're probably a bad idea and when I say stimulants like generally speaking you know like coffee and teas um or for some people you know maybe something stronger but like a little yayo it's, <laughs> it's a little well like you know Adderall I mean you know cigarettes the, yeah what you know I guess it's like I don't even know what people are doing but it's not that it's bad, but it's like if you look at, you know, maybe from like a, if you're in Italy and they are, you know, out having a really big midday meal and then they have this tiny little bit of espresso after the meal and like it's like helping as a digestive aid, you know, it's also maybe giving them a little bit of energy because they just ate this heavy meal. But they're not getting a, you know, venti whatever at you know 7 30 in the morning and and that's all they eat or all they consume right and then they're starving at 11 and it's like like that's not nourishment that's adrenaline right there that's you're just you're just telling your body adrenaline 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 and in some instances a little bit of caffeine can be helpful but i think that for the most part with our society uh Put some food on your belly before you put this acidic thing into your stomach. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny when you said a venti or whatever, the immediate thought I had was the amount of goddamn sugar. The, the amount. So do you, is maybe another one after stimulants, sugar, processed sugar, just volume of sugar, sugars in everything, for sure. But, you know, even before that, I would say, I mean, yes, for sure, sugar. But I guess for me, it's it's quantity of anything yeah. like we could all, including myself, it like, you know, especially when I'm traveling and everything just goes haywire. But it's like we could all eat like two thirds of what we think we should be eating. So 
give some space. If you eat until your stomach feels really full, there's no space in there for everything to churn and like the enzymes and stuff to get released. There's not a lot of space. So leaving some space in there is going to help everything. You're actually going to feel you're going to have better assimilation. You're going to have better energy. So just eating less, I think um, eating less, especially at the end of the day, is helpful for everybody because you don't really want to just be like filling up your system and then going to sleep in two hours. Yeah, I don't eat at night. Yeah, a lot of people don't need to. It's a great time to fast. Now, you know, it's just like you said, though, Ayurveda's approach is everybody, everything is not good for everybody. So, like, there's a really big trend now for fasting. Yeah. Right? But, like, some people, they actually probably need to eat every two hours because they're just the way their metabolism is. So it's maybe not the best thing for them. Now, maybe after they get their blood sugar under control they can try some fasting you know but it's just not for everybody now do you ever encounter the world of autoimmune disorders allergies and things like gluten intolerance everybody yeah and thank you monsanto by the way brought to you by monsanto gut diseases neurological disorders autoimmune problems my husband's a chef, as you know, and if you get like a glass or two of wine in him and he feels like he wants to be extroverted, sort of like Poxitoni Phil, that ground out comes out like once a year to let us know, like that's sort of my husband. His, his sociability is a, is a one-off with other people, but he'll just stand up and, and just start going on Monsanto. And now it's ruined everything. He knows everything about it. And I don't think people realize that gut diseases like this or peanut allergies or whatever in volume like this. It's an exponential orders of magnitude explosion of these diseases because of genetically modified crops and these herbicides and pesticides on them. So how do you tackle that from Ayurveda? Because everyone thinks gluten-free is healthy. And I'm like, I can tolerate gluten, but also we order our flour from Italy. We make fresh pasta with flour that Monsanto hasn't touched Mm. in this house. And to your point, that's a time and money investment. I Mm. happen to love pasta, so Mm. it's worth it for me. But right. what do you do with your clients on that? Well, yeah, gosh, it's a great question because I think it's it's hand in hand. It's like it's obviously like the wheat. Well, I try to make it so it's, it's like, yeah, try to make it as accessible as possible. So the easiest thing is like, hey, no wheat, no corn. Yeah. You know, just take them out. Because, yes, you could have those things if they were prepared the right way and come from the right place. But the likelihood that that they're going to have know how to do that, you know, is kind of low. So, okay, we'll just take out those highly inflammatory substances. Now that obviously, you know, a lot of people are not buying locally grown organic produce. So, again, meeting people where they're at, like, okay, so you you know, let's get the best thing that we can get. Like, you know, if you can, can, you can get organic produce, please do that. If you don't think you can afford it. Okay. Here are, you know, they have like the clean 15 and the dirty desert, like, you know, kind of just trying to work with them. Um, I mean, it's so much of it is like probably similar to the work that you do, Rachel. It's just like educating people on how things really are. It's like, okay, even if you are 
eat, making all the right food choices, but you live in an area where glyphosate is just coming, you know, it's in all the air because maybe there's a big farm like 100 miles away and it's all coming right to you. So we have to make sure, like, I like to look at the body as like, yes, this is a fucked up situation with the glyphosate and the herbicides, all of that, but this body can handle it. Yeah. If it's optim if it's optimally being able to detox on a daily basis. I so love also, that. Right? It's like this, Yeah. This this machine is super powerful. I gotta make sure the channels are open. I'm not overloading it because in a way, we can't really get away from it. You know, we can do all the things we can do, but it's still in the air. It's still in yeah. the water. Yeah, and it's it's amazing how poisonous. Uh, I think it was uh, RFK Jr. called it a toxic stew that children are growing up in, right? Like it's not one thing or two. It's it's a whole thing. And just trying to take care of yourself as best as you can because the body wants to heal. The body yeah. wants to live. The body's really pretty miraculous. Um, now, in terms of like behavioral stuff, because you were you were mentioning that as well, lifestyle. What are you seeing as maybe the most notable issues, but then when they're resolved, the most upside? Is it just people don't take any downtime? They don't sit in silence? Like, what are you seeing? What would you recommend for someone listening just as a one tangible behavioral thing they can modify? Mm. Well, Actually, what I see the most is that people people are mostly concerned with taking care of their families. And um, that usually means working. You know, if, if you're a mom or just a woman in general, it's like cooking, cleaning, helping. Maybe you have an aging, uh, you know, an aging family member. Maybe you don't have kids, but you're you're nurturing. And so like taking care of uh, taking care of your family is often doesn't include taking care of your soul and finding out what feeds your soul and and doing that every single day because that's where the that's where the real return is it's like for me dancing is what my soul will love dancing it's free. It's like always available. I have, I mean, music is everywhere. I can literally just like turn it, turn it on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't have to play an instrument. It's I don't. It's like it's there all the time. Um, and so I have to then take responsibility for the days when I choose not to do, not to feed my soul. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I think this is a particular problem among people that consider themselves healers or psychic practitioners in particular, because we you know we support other people a lot and we yeah. really enjoy that and that is soul feeding on a certain level, but it's not the same thing as your own practice yeah. or having a hobby because these things are very consuming, sort of like having a family, yeah, and it's it's an area where I I suck at that whole thing like I'll go months and then be like when was the last time I read a book right you know what I mean or like went on a walk and wasn't thinking of where I needed to be or what I needed to do or you know that that being present thing and I'll, I'll level with you because this is you know transparency time I microdose 
to sort of bootstrap that. Sometimes if I don't have that available immediately when I reach for it, I go, okay, like psilocybin can help me. Not in, it, I don't take it at psychedelic doses, but help me be present for a little yeah. bit. And I'll notice all of my body systems, my heart rate, everything just starts to regulate and move to balance very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And healing other people isn't the same as healing yourself. And taking care of and nurturing other people isn't nurturing you. I'm really glad you said that because I think people think they're the same thing. Yeah. And I mean, and it can be tricky because it's like, here I am. I've created this life where I get to do what I love for a living. So I can easily fool myself into yes. like, I then I'm good. I'm doing I don't I go to a job I love every day. I do work I love. It's like, no, like, yes, it's part of it. I'm glad that I love what I do. But is there's still not the thing. The thing that feeds my soul is probably not something that I get paid for. It's probably not something that um, someone else even benefits from. Like it's purely me feeding my soul. And I and, and I think a good place to start is usually like, what is something that I want to do that doesn't have, it's like, it's pretty much unproductive. You know, yeah. like there's, there's no output. There's no return on investment. It's yeah. as Aristotle said in Aristotle's book, or I don't think it was a book at the time, his treatise, Nicomachean Ethics, a good in and of itself, not a means to an end. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have a society that supports that at all. No, not at all. And that I think it's a really about us reclaiming it and saying, you know, like, and this is where the women's circles, you know, it come into play. It's like, hey, we're going to get it together and have a ceremony just because the sun rose today. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You know, I have a flower essence garden, which is obviously part of my business, but we have so much yield because it's been such a green year and I have way too many jars like the, the mothers of the essences then I have space. And so I've stopped cultivating. I've stopped taking flowers from outside, except for these roses, which I brought inside, because I know rose is good for me being very fiery, right? Mm-hmm. See, I listen to you. I take notes. I try to be a good, a good student, a good client. But we, um, so we're letting just the flowers be. I have to tell you, miracle of all miracles. Mm-hmm. We have something like 100 caterpillars out there. Yesterday, in one five-minute window, I counted 36 different kinds of butterflies and three different hummingbirds, like different colored hummingbirds. And my husband's like, it's a butterfly sanctuary out there. Mm-hmm. And all of our mantis eggs hatched. And so when I water, all these, you know, two to three-inch green guys praying mantises leap out of the planters and climb to higher ground. And it's it's a good in and of itself now. Letting yeah. it go that way and be a little bit more feral instead of like this square inch area needs to produce this amount of money or this that that or this even if you're not looking at it as financial but this bottle of healing for my client like right. that very commoditized energy commoditized. with it mm-hmm. yeah and people have to get over um the the cheap way we live you know we pay discounted prices for everything because of that hyper commoditized slavery system and mm-hmm. everybody talks a big game and they're like, yeah, no, it's great that you do it that way in the slow way. But when's that coming back in stock? And I'll be like, yeah, no, the Meyer lemon's done for the year. Right. Like 
that right? Etsy, remember the system you like and yeah. how in sync with nature it is. Sometimes nature's a bitch and that's the way it goes. And, you know, my stuff might be a little more expensive, but it's not made in a factory in China with suicide nets outside of it. Right. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I think that's why, I mean, maybe that's why like spirit has, you know, drawn me to living more in a rural area, starting to experiment with growing food because it's getting me to experience that what you're talking about it's like oh there's this like magical window when you know the poppies are gonna bloom yes. and I and and the, I gotta like be present and like, if I want to do something with that if I want to be with them it, otherwise I gotta wait a whole nother year you know or the raspberries or whatever's coming up and like we you know we kind of have grown up in a culture where we just think like oranges just grow all the time everywhere and because they're yeah. at the grocery store right but it's like no like it's actually part of a of a whole system that takes time and you know when you're present to you know that that there's a bloom and there's a flower and then there's a fruit and there's this whole thing and it's like holy smokes when you actually are eating an orange you're like this is a miracle so I went to Paris in my early 20s for a few months, and I ordered orange juice somewhere, which is something we have everywhere in America, right? Not understanding that oranges don't grow in Europe, really. <laughs> Not like they do here. And it was like three or four times as much money as a glass of really beautiful red wine there. And I was mm -hmm. like, what is going on? And they said, well, you should get, we have these little uh, oranges, you know, what are you, clementines? Get yeah. that instead. And I was like, wait, but like what? And I was speaking in French, luckily. So people were talking to me because Parisians are very funny about Americans when they're not attempting it. And they were like, there's no oranges here, lady. And I was like, oh, my God. What? Like my mind was blown for the whole week. I was like, water and orange juice are more expensive than red wine and good red wine. Mm hmm. Yeah, and they're much more in sync with that in Europe, by the way. Um, the EU has better laws around all that stuff, like what they produce and what they allow with glyphosate and everything else. But it's so about calling, like being, being yeah. aware that there's a cycle of every food that we eat, right? And being yeah. aware of that. They're in season. So wouldn't you also maybe recommend to people looking at the grocery store? We have a, a chain here. It's a very small chain in Austin called Central Market. And the only produce there is org it's all organic, full stop, and it's cheap. I don't know how they do it. I don't even care if it's a criminal cartel. I don't care. It's We love it. And it's only things that are in season. And so no. since we've only been here two years, and I'll be like, is it melon season yet? Because I used to think melon was like disgusting cantaloupe in a mm -hmm. shitty fruit salad. And then I had these like exotic melons that they grow in Texas and Mexico. And I'm in love. And every week reference, like, it's not yet. But I think right. maybe next week. Like, this idea of the end, what you said about the poppies or the raspberries, being present with yeah. the melons. Yeah, it makes you appreciate them when you know you can't get them all the time. And I think that my advice is to people is that there are people that are there are pioneers that are opening markets and opening stores like the one that you talked about. And they are figuring it out because they're passionate about this. So it's our job to support them. So if you have to drive a little bit farther, if you have to pay a little bit more, if you have to order a subscription, like do it, like find the people that are on the front lines 
trying to get your community to have good quality food and pay more money so that you can have it because the more people do that, the actually it'll bring the cost down and it'll well, come so your medical costs right. in the future will be low. Your risk of cancer goes down, diabetes, I mean, you name it. And you're investing in your own health care. And we're not used to being that proactive about our health in this country, right. Right. this culture. But it's a very real thing. And every year I joke, you know, with Bradford, my husband, I go, every year I get healthier. Every year I get healthier. And there's always a big challenge, like coming off of birth control, which was last year's adventure. And now Kratom and, and always tweaking little things here and there. And I don't know that I've ever felt, I mean, not today, because withdrawals, something, but I don't know that I've ever felt younger or higher energy or better in my life. It's like aging in reverse, because I grew up in the early 80s with garbage food, just garbage, the garbage of all garbage. And then I was poor, and it's very hard to eat healthy when you're poor, and then you're busy, right? So I've been through all those stages, and now it's like, you know, I had three minor strokes when I was 31. And to your point, I was running. I was doing road races with my specialized carbon fiber bike. You know, I was eating salads and I thought I was healthy and I wasn't. And you just got to, it, it, it requires it. You'll pay now or you'll pay later. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So anything oh. else you want to let people know where to find you? I, I personally find your work incredible. I think we need more of this kind of medicine in our society. And I do see it as medicine. I think you do too. Like it's yeah. not just a little coaching tweak or whatever. Let people know how to work with you, what what you do. You do pop-ups. Give them a little summary on where to find you. Yeah. So right now I'm, I live in uh, North Carolina. Um, and so I see people in person um, in uh, Jefferson, North Carolina. And I also do pop-ups. I have one coming up in August in Chicago. And I just finished one out in uh, Northern California. So I, I kind of make my rounds between North Carolina, Detroit, the west side of Michigan, Chicago, and Northern California. So And you know, I'm going to you know, try and get you here in late September. And yeah, hopefully Austin soon. Yeah. Um, and, but I work mostly virtually anyway you know that the, like I can do do in person but obviously it's more convenient to do virtual consultations and that works great so people can reach me from anywhere the best place to find me is my website which is just my first and last name Colleen Soisson it's c-o-l-l-e-e-n-s-o-i-s-s-o-n.com and on there, you can actually schedule a free 30-minute consultation. So that way you can actually, we can see if I am a good fit to work with you, if you're a good fit to work with me, and um, go from there. And then my Instagram is, what is my Instagram? Colleen underscore Ayurveda. I love it. And, you know, here at The Skeptical Shaman, we like to give our primary advertiser and sponsor a little moment in the sun, which is the Totem Tarot deck. And creator of it's a real bitch. So let's make sure we do this and pull a Totem Tarot deck card for you. <laughs> Hang on one second. And yes, I am making fake commercials for these. That is happening. 
Great. Oh my God, Colleen. Oh, Look boy. at this. Midas. Midas? What is the Midas that? touch? This is the most abundant cash flowy card in the whole deck. This is whatever oh. Midas touches turns to gold. And not in the bad way, not like the fairy tale when he turned his daughter to gold. Less mm. scary version. But right. this is all about major cash flow, but always for like a business that's real, that does something real, that's connected to reality, not these people. You know, I had a client yesterday, very cool young woman, and I, I cannot wait to see what she does next. But she works with like exotic financial products in this super abstract way, and she just hates it. She's like, mm. none of it's real. And she's like, the only people in our world who make money are people who play with fake money. And move it around. And all. so this guy is the opposite of that. This is like brick and mortar or growing food or, you know, literally turning very simple, mundane things into gold. And frankly, what you do, not that it's common sense, but I think our society is so unhealthy and out of whack, Colleen, that you could be a very busy person. Mm -hmm. We need how I'm getting back I'm, to that. I receive Midas. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Kalneev has learned to become a receiving vessel. It's a, it's a victory for Kabbalists everywhere. Yeah, and that's, you know, people forget that abundance energy in, in at least like Chinese medicine or Kabbalah or Native American, you know, faith systems, all these different practices for much of the world is yin. It's not yang. Yeah. Our society's approach yeah. to abundance is all yang. Yes. Time. I think it was Brit who I just interviewed. That episode's coming out Sunday who said it's it's perpetual summer. Like there's never spring, fall, winter. And yin abundance is just creating space to receive and allow. And it sounds counterintuitive, but, you know, everything in cycles, you push a little and then you chill and you receive. Yeah. And I always tell people the minute I walk away from my desk and I do something for me, like yes. dancing, thank God I don't subject anyone to my attempts to dance, by the way. The thought of that is absolutely hilarious. Like the cure in Bauhaus, like... What are the moves for that music? But you know, the minute I do and I'm I'm present, I come back and it's like everything that I was maybe anxious about has come together. Yeah. I've booked a bunch of sessions. You know what I mean? Like it all yeah. just happens when you stop fixating and clasping and like grinding and clenching all the time. Totally. And I, I just want to say on that note of that card that you pulled, because one of the things about working in this in this realm of whatever I am um, is like look that there there really isn't not that first of all I think there I don't think there's security in anything these days but there really isn't security I think that it's like you know three months from now I have no idea where my income's gonna come from and you have mm -hmm. to be a person who's comfortable living like that and that's not for everyone and some days it's it's not for me you know some days it's stressing yeah. me out and Especially lately, because the ripples in the economy hits our client bases and, you know, buying behaviors are very psychological, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And but what I have learned is that it's like, I can't, it, I, it'd be it'd be out of integrity for me to do this work, but then not to actually trust that I'll be taken care of. Yeah. You know, for for like I'm working with spirit, I'm working with the elements of nature. And so for me to like put in a day's work and be 
spewing all this stuff to other people, but then be sitting in my own narrative of like, what am I going to do next month when I don't have any clients and like, can I go get a job? Right. And it's like, yeah. it's, it's country, it's there, it's conflicting energies. And so what I, that's been what's come up for me because I relocated to North Carolina, literally like left all of my clients, my in-person clients. Right. Yeah. And, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just, I have to learn. I have to actually completely embrace this. Like, this is what I do, period. Yeah. It's not, this is what I do until I run out of money, or this is what I do until I figure out something else. Like, no, this is what I do. And yeah, boom, that's it. And, and that, it's that's tough. It's <laughs> especially the last few years with COVID. No, I had some dark nights of the soul upending my business after two years of lockdown and COVID. I mean, it wasn't like the Midas faucet was on, right? Like it really wasn't. Thank God I'm, you know, clever and cheap, right? But that you get tired, you get cranky, all that shit. Like being clever constantly as a small business owner at a certain point, you're like, I, I don't know. Like just set it on fire. Like you have some moments like that. And what's incredible, though, and I, I tell my my coaching clients this, the spiritual transformation program people, I go, this work keeps you really, really effing honest. Like, yeah, every day you there's like this audit that happens and this am I in alignment and why am I being a hypocrite? Why am I giving advice that I'm not taking? And right. it forces a constant almost like weeding of your own garden with those behaviors I Right. Money in our society is one of the worst. It is one of the most out of balance pieces. And the things that people make money for versus, you know, the tremendous artists or healers who get nothing. It's, right. it's wild here. And I do think there's something on the other side of all this as we enter Aquarius, like that age next year in a major way. Yeah. But exactly. right now, and this is what I wrote about on Substack, we there's something here for us to manage and learn and balance first. And yeah. so I'm also trying to ease up a little. And I've also found within reason, the more happy I am when I'm working and the more joyful and playful. And for me, that means a little mischievous, like the more shit I stir, yeah. the more things come in. Yeah. And instead of like, what would an adult do? It doesn't really work for my business. Because mm -hmm. this is not that. Because adults are sad, lonely people that I, I help. I was in conference rooms for 20 years of my life. They really don't have the answers, Colleen. Yeah. 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 It's don't make you a genius. It, it ties back into like you, like if you're interested in being liked versus being truthful, you know, yeah. it's like some, my clients sometimes don't like me, you know, and because yeah. I'm going to remind them of what they said. And same with you. It's like sometimes you're going to have to say some harsh things, but that's actually what draws the right people to you that are looking they're looking for the honesty yeah yeah and what you know feeds your soul and their soul and I, I really like that that phrase and I'm gonna linger on that today Colleen so thank you so much and so, you know obviously all your links are gonna be in the show notes so everybody if you're interested in Ayurveda or working with Colleen I have an afternoon sweet snack every day because of her that's that was the love hanging fruit for me because I'm such a wreck. And it's it's a whole new world of getting in touch with your body in the seasons. So thank you, Colleen. You're welcome, Rachel. Thank you for doing this. This is awesome.